Welcome to the Juicy Cast, where we bring you interviews with bright entrepreneurs and thinkers who lead innovation and success in the digital media space. Juicy Cast is a production of Great Juice Lab, the largest independent worldwide content aggregator and service provider for video on demand platforms and operators. The ideas and strategies you hear on JuicyCast can be customized and implemented by Great Juice Lab for your own company or streaming service anywhere around the world. Hello, and we're talking today with Ash, the founder and CEO of Watch Mojo. Hi, Ash. Hi there. How are you? I'm well. I want to thank you for your time today. Um, first question I have for you, you started at the very uh, dawn of online video, and I wanted to know kind of what your thoughts were as far as the next five to ten years in online ad-supported services. Sure. So I think right now what you're seeing compared to 12 years ago when we started is like that there's definitely a stronger um, economic framework demand model out there for content creation. Um, there's definitely, you know, at the premium and at the super premium, like even some of the premium things being produced for YouTube, which does look very good, um, as well as super premium things being produced for Netflix and, and linear TV and OTT, um, there's definitely more money supporting it than when we started. However, uh, on the consumption front, even though Netflix is crushing it, um, I would say that, believe it or not, people are still spending a lot more time watching, you know, short snackable content because just it's a short attention span. And what the mobile revolution has done is it's created, you know, five to ten more hours of media consumption uh, in a given day practically for, for heavy users. And the reality is most of that is going to be around short-form uh, content. So there is more money in the ecosystem, both in terms of licensing and ad-supported. Um, but But I think ultimately... The reason why the advertising is so strong is because a lot of that consumption is going to come around short-form content. Now, the world is actually being splintered in many ways, right? I mean, if you, if you take a step back, whether you look at it politically, sociologically, economically, or in terms of entertainment, you know, there's the U.S. versus the rest of the world. There's English-speaking and non-English-speaking. And in, in, in our own little universe, absolutely, there is the splintering between... Um, let's call it ad-supported and, and, sponsorship, uh, and uh, subscriptions, right? And indeed, on one side, you have, let's say, Netflix, the flag bearer for the subscription model. And then on the other side, you have YouTube, the flag bearer for the ad-supported model. And I think the reason why you have, yes, Netflix dabbling and dipping their toes with now finally running promos, first for their own shows, but absolutely over time, for advertising, and then there will be a fragment, there will be a tiered model. You'll pay 10 bucks a month for ad-free, and maybe, you know, 8 bucks a month or 6 bucks a month or whatever for, for ad-included. And YouTube, I think the main reason why they launched YouTube Premium, uh, formerly YouTube Red, I think was, you know, not just to, you know, for their users, but almost to Wall Street, to say, look, we know you're really excited about Netflix, but look, we also have this uh, subscription product. So, I, look, I think anybody, given just how much disruption, how much change is happening, I think if you were to 
pretend that you knew where things were going to be in five years or 10 years or any kind of specific time in the future, I mean, I think that's probably, you know, you might as well try to predict the weather, right? I mean, there's a lot of change. I can tell you, though, that one of the most fundamental changes with regarding to the advertising and marketing world was something that YouTube did, which turned out to kind of be a scorched earth uh, approach, was the TrueView, uh, the skippable ad uh, function. I think with that and with YouTube today replacing television as the leading consumption platform, at least amongst younger demos, I think that's what's really kind of precipitated the so-called death of the 30-second spot, where the consumer has the remote control, so to speak, in their hands, and at any moment, they get to choose if they want to see an ad or not. And I think that disruption is key, meaning, you know, advertising has historically worked because it's disruptive and it interrupts what you're doing, but with users now being able to skip and with targeting and personalization, I think in many ways it's just going to actually make advertising a bit stronger because it's got to be better. It's got to make sense to the, advert- uh, to the consumer. Um, but, but it is going to drastically change what we consider advertising 10 years ago versus what it's going to be 10 years from now. It will resemble content a lot more. It will resemble experiences a lot more. It will be a lot more personalized. I would agree. And it actually is coming back to the very beginnings of uh, live TV, where the people that were performing in the the skit shows or the dramas uh, at the breaks were going to the back of the studio and were plugging, you know, whichever product line was sponsoring that specific show. So we're coming back to that. And do you see then a um, augmentation, an increase in the volume of these supported by, presented by deals that uh, YouTube actually started uh, five, six, seven years ago? Yeah, I mean, look, I think ultimately YouTube is actually quite a dynamic and both literally and figuratively a rich ecosystem today. You know, the, 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 the knock on YouTube was, you know, how could you create videos and programming for pennies on the dollar, so to speak. But it was like the frog in a boiling water versus frog in a pot of water that gets hotter and hotter. I think right now YouTube is the main show, the main event when it comes to ad-supported. But at the same time, there's just this democratization of content has made it so that everybody can produce. And the fact that you could shoot high-quality videos on your iPhone or your Samsung device or whatever, and it looks so awesome, uh, means that anybody can join the revolution and create content. So I think the demand and supply dynamics, that's the one constant that doesn't change, meaning that's, that's a thing, you know, like that's what drives, you know, cost, price, and that's where I think there might be a discrepancy between the, the subjective relative value of content and what somebody can kind of derive in terms of revenue out of that content. Because you could be producing content that has high production value, and I think what is premium and what is quality, I mean, that's very subjective to the viewers now. Um, But I think there will just be this fundamental pressure on the ability to derive an income, either as an individual or as a business, a media company, out of content. Because the supply is extremely elastic in the near term, 
but the demand, meaning the advertising that funnels into an ecosystem, is actually not. It's rather inelastic. It's very slow, right? I mean, we've True. been talking about, you know, we've been talking about the seventy, eighty, ninety, hundred billion dollar TV market, advertising market that is supposed to shift online. Now, I think what you're seeing now is you're seeing ratings fall to the extent where, like, the, the percentage decline is so steep that you almost think it's a typo. And I think, you know, that means it's really, really expensive on a kind of what's the ROI of advertising, mm-hmm. meaning it is going to shift and it's going to shift dramatically and it's hard to tell when it's going to uh, happen, but it's not a question of if, it's just it's going to happen eventually. Um, but if you think about it, even if you shift all that, I just feel like there is just so much content being created whether it's measured by how many hours of videos are uploaded on YouTube or how much more content is created on the Internet, that that is something that the genie's out of the bag. I don't necessarily think you're ever, you know, those people that are like, oh, back in the day I used to write an article for New York Times or for whoever I used to produce videos and such and such media company would pay me this way or that way. I think what people just need to acknowledge is, look, the freedom of expression may be a God-given right, but the freedom to earn a living out of being a storyteller is not uh, a fait accompli. And at the same time, because there's so much clutter, being an effective storyteller is going to be like more valuable than ever. But there's going to be so much more clutter. And I think you, you know, with the YouTube, especially with YouTube celebrities and stars, for every one celebrity that makes it on YouTube, you just now have that many more who don't. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of part of anything else. That there are some people who chase this for stardom and wealth, then there's others who do it and are willing to kind of maybe be a bit more persistent and sacrifice. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, for sure, people will have to get creative. And one of that, it's a very long way of saying, one of that is to kind of have, you know, product integration or on-air plug, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you have things like where, uh, you know, folks at the FTC are going to kind of want to make sure that if you're plugging something, as, as online advertising and media becomes more mature and developed, then people are going to say, okay, well, if you're plugging this, is this an advertising and how do you disclose it? Et cetera, exactly, et cetera. exactly. Um, related question to this entire uh, disrupted and disruptive uh, market. Uh, so Great Juice Lab works with these high-growth emerging markets, particularly in Asia Pacific, where you've got multiple languages, multiple cultures that coexist, I'm very interested in seeing, for instance, that in Vietnam, they consume a lot of their local content, but also all of the uh, sort of Pan-Asian material, uh, Korean, uh, Japanese, Chinese. What's your take on that market relative to ad-supported VOD? Sure. I mean, look, I think it's extremely ethnocentric when, let's say, relative to, like, in a world spectrum, when, like, wealthy Western nations and, you know, uh, journalists sit there and go, advertising is dead because in the future everybody's going to pay five bucks, ten bucks a month for subscriptions because out of convenience they won't want to see ads. So for the price of one coffee at a Starbucks, you know, you can pay that one month, no ads. And I go, okay, let's hold on for a second. Even in America, one of the wealthiest countries in the world, there are people who don't have 5 to $10 to buy groceries. And That's I right. guarantee you, they will sit through ads. So let's, you know, let's not kind of lose sight of that fact. Two, around the world, there are fundamentally so many countries where two things are happening. As 
market share and, you know, unit sales of Colgate and shampoo and cars and all that become somewhat mature, stagnate, and slow-growing in the Western countries, there is, in theory, this emergence of demand from consumers in uh, the rest of the world. And absolutely, that's where you're going to see growth in advertising. But right now, again, that's also on a continuum, right now in the near term, the discretionary uh, budget that those consumers have is pretty low, meaning advertising is also pretty low. You're not going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars promoting Cadillac cars if people can't even afford basic necessities, right? So I think that's where, in a global market where, like, a Watch Mojo produces content out of Montreal but can kind of, you know, commercialize it in Montreal, Munich, Mumbai, Milan, you know, wherever, Manila, you'd have to kind of take into account that different countries are going to have different economies and different levels of, you know, development. Of course. You know, so so I ultimately think that, you know, I was in Beijing last November and I was blown away how, like, I couldn't buy anything really with credit cards or cash. I kind of, everybody was on Alipay, right? That's right. That's right. So I think that ultimately content, because right now, Advertising isn't, I mean, in aggregate it is, but I think because the CPM rates and, and what an advertiser is willing to pay to reach a given consumer is relatively low, you may see, and, and then at the same time, you have this discrepancy and dichotomy where people are so prone to buy, pay for things, um, unlike in the U.S. where people didn't want to pay for content, so it was all ad-supported. I think you're probably going to see a bigger shift or, or more equal uh, models between advertising and kind of paid models in Asia. But again, I think it's also very false to just bundle Asia as this one homogeneous common market. Oh, fully agree. Clearly, you know, clearly consumers in Korea or Japan have a very different purchasing power and behavior than people in Vietnam or people in Malaysia, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you have to be careful, and I mean, I'm sure you guys are, but I think you have to be careful that you don't cast you know, everything um, with, with one brush and then paint with one brush. And then, you know, one thing I learned, for example, is like companies like Google, sometimes they subsidize the cost of data on mobile devices to encourage video consumption. Uh, so in Asia, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's, you know, companies like that step in and lower the cost of mobile consumption, which then drives a lot of video growth. Uh, which kind of accelerates the development of these markets. But I, I would just ultimately summarize it by saying, I think in Asia, AVOD will be really, really powerful, but paid models, including subscription, uh, will, will be pretty robust, given their higher propensity to pay for things uh, and not think about it. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Ash, and uh, we're going to keep everybody posted on those two very interesting uh, avenues, uh, the Asia-Pacific uh, market, but also our own sort of North American market as it matures. Thank you. Thanks.